I know I went long last Sunday. Yelled at myself afterwards on that too, but um, still didn't get it all covered. And I just feel like we're leaving a little bit too much undone on some of these things. So I want to go back and I want you to see something that is in these parables. And it's something that we need to look at because it is very intentional. And we surely can see some of this not only in last week, but also in some of the others. And we're going to look to uh, make sure that you get to see this. But many times in Jesus' parables, we see that attitudes are on display. And most of the time that attitudes are on display, guess what kind they are? They are bad. I'm really hard-pressed to find good attitudes in Jesus' parables. He's usually bringing out the bad parables, or the bad attitudes in the parables. And I think maybe the reason for this, I don't know that it's the reason, I just think maybe the reason for this, is that your bad attitude can set you back more than your good good attitude. Your bad attitude may be able to set you back more than your good attitude can bring you forward. We need to be on guard against them. There are places in the scripture that attitudes are talked about, but it doesn't always use the word attitude. Sometimes it says, this, let this mind be in you. Well, that's an attitude. Be mindful of this. Be like-minded. This is talking about the attitude that is in you. And so we want you to turn... We're going to be in... Um, uh, not in the in the Gospels this time. We're going to be referring to quite a few of the parables here. But I want you to see some of the things that the Bible teaches on attitude so they bring those things into what the, what the parables are teaching us. Now last week we looked at the vineyard workers and we saw that in the end that grace is simply, everybody remember? Not fair. Grace is not fair. The enemy will always try and get you to look at the grace of God as equal to the fairness of God. He always wants us to look at things in in fairness. But that's not how God does it. Not by our standards. Fair, as we looked at it last week, fairness for me is me getting what I want. Me getting what I think I deserve or you not getting what I think you shouldn't have. I see you get something, I don't think you should have it, it's not fair. I don't get something, I think I should have it, it's not fair. Most of the times we look at, that's not fair, it's really our flesh rising up. But grace doesn't work that way. Grace works, everybody remember? Grace works by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we looked at that one. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace works by faith. This person over here to your eye may not have the qualifications that you think they ought to to receive what it is they're receiving. But they had the faith. They had the faith for it. How many times has Jesus ministered to people because they had faith? And how many times can He not minister to people because they didn't have faith? We have to make sure that we stay in faith. We stay within what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 15... Verse 1. Now, we're looking at two main passages here today with a third one thrown in. But two main passages. I'm not going to really get into these passages in any depth because in the last year, we've gotten into both of these in some depth. And if you want to get into more depth on either the Romans passage or the Ephesians passage, just let me know. I can uh, send you the link. You can go back to where we covered these in more more depth. 
But here in Romans 15, verse 1, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, how many think they are strong? Don't raise your hand. But how many get an idea? I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong. And a lot of times we think we are stronger than we, we actually are. Little kids are great with this, right? Little kids think they're strong. And then uh, they, they think they can take on any task. I saw somebody post a, a thing, live life with the confidence of a toddler with a cape. Makes us feel strong. But when it comes right down to it, your strength can be measured. I can say, well, I'm strong. But then, all right, here's some weights. Here's a here's a, this thing. Now lift that. Do this. But well, I can't quite do that. See, my my strength has a limit, so I can get stronger. Well, your your spiritual strength can be measured by the tests and trials that are thrown at you, by the things that come at you. How strong are you? What is it that you can take before you start getting in the flesh? And that's really the uh, the big question. How much can you take before you get into the flesh? That'll tell you how strong you are. Not how much you can take. There's a lot of people who take a lot of stuff, but they get in their flesh. You didn't stay in the right spot. It's kind of like weightlifting. When you weightlift, you have to keep things going. A certain There's a certain uh, form that you have to have. And if you deviate from that form, you no longer, no longer get the benefit of that exercise. Your body is cheating. Other muscles are coming in. And that's not going to help you. The same thing happens with with Christians. We're supposed to take on the trials and the tests that go on in faith. We're supposed to take them on in our spirit. Instead, we switch over to the flesh. And I think I'm handling it. And God says, you're not handling this the way you're supposed to. You're getting into the wrong direction, the wrong place. Because I think I'm strong. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Now, if you think you are strong, here in this verse is your test. Are you ready? How many weak people can you bear with their scruples? Now, scruples in the Greek, when you pull that out, it it means weakness, infirmities, or feebleness. It's used of mental and physical weaknesses. How many of y'all have some people in your life that have some mental weaknesses? And they present a challenge to you because of some of the things that they have going on in their head. Not just physical weaknesses. How many people, how many, how many spiritual people, how many Christian people are in your life that they have some weaknesses going on and they drive you batty? You're not bearing with them You are tolerating them. You are putting up with them. But there's nothing in you that wants to bear with them. Look at what he says here. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, why is it that we don't continue to bear the scruples, the weaknesses of those people around that are not as strong as we are? Why is it that we stop? It's pretty simple because I'm not happy doing it. I got tired of doing it. I don't want to do this anymore. don't like it. This is, uh, this is too much. And I'm going to take this off again. I tried to keep it on for this week, but we try and keep it a little bit warmer in here for the cold folks. 
We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now let's just take this on a carnal level. On a carnal level. How many of you husbands and wives know that there are some traits about your spouse that you don't like? Les is looking the other direction. He's not even looking over here. He's... <laughs> yeah, there are some Christians, you live with the person, there are some things that they do, it doesn't bother them. Right? But they bother you. And, and that can really get you aggravated after a while. They, you look at it, well, this is a weak, I don't, I wish they wouldn't do this. You know, there's that uh, comedian, he comes on the, on the, some of the videos that I get to see, he's a Christian comedian, really funny. And he says, uh, he says, you know something about women? Women don't tell you what they want you to do. He's, he was speaking mostly of wives. Wives don't tell you what they want you to do. They ask you questions so you can figure it out. You ever heard that? I thought that was, that was, that was great. They asked you questions so you can figure it out. He said, he used an example. He says, I was in the, in the bedroom and on the floor was my underwear. And so she says, is that your underwear on the floor? <laughs> now he's, he was going, I said, he's not, he's not, she's not asking if this is my underwear. His response was, well, if it's not, we've got a whole nother thing of questions going on. <laughs> It'd be a whole lot easier. He was just saying, his whole point was, it's a whole lot easier if the, if the wife would just come out and say, I want you to pick up your underwear. I, I just want you to, you know, pick up and, and do these things. That's, that's one thing. You know, now I don't leave, now some people leave socks. My wife, you know, she loves taking her shoes off and her socks off and she takes her socks off and she leaves them around in there. And uh, I don't, you will never find a pair of my socks anywhere outside of my room or the laundry. That's it. They are on my feet until I, I take them off and put them in the laundry. They don't come off. I don't like my shoes off. I don't like my socks off. Other people do. I don't. That's just my trait. My wife, it drives her crazy. Why don't you just relax? I am relaxed. How can you be relaxed? Your shoes are on, your socks are everything. No, no, I'm fine. I'm, I am relaxed like this. But she's not that way. She'll take her shoes off. She'll take her socks off. And she'll just uh, put them over there by the sofa. She'll come back and get them later on. But she'll put them over there by the sofa. Now, I could look at that and say, oh, that's going to drive me crazy. It doesn't. I just, every time I see something like that that's, that's out of place that she left, I just think, well, there's stuff I leave out of place, there's stuff that I do, and I could drive her nuts. This is just my opportunity to not pick up a bad attitude. That's what you gotta do. You gotta look at these things. When your wife or your spouse or your kids or your parents or whoever it is that's around with you that can do things, every time they do something and they can, you wanna get a bad attitude, don't. Just look at this and say, well, I do things too. They don't bug me, but they can bug other people. We who are, who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We're going around, we please ourselves. I want things to go the way that I want them to go. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to eat these things. I don't want you to say these things. I don't want you to do these things. Whatever it is, we have these things that I want to be pleasing. And we're seeing this kind of attitude, and we'll get into it here in just a bit in the, in the parables. He goes on in verse 2, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Let each of us please his neighbor. You can put wife in there. You can put husband in there. You can put kids in there. You can put parents in there. You can put boss in there. You can put co-worker in there. Because that's your neighbor. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Not your good, their good. 
how can you help them? Leading to edification. My goal is here is to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ didn't go through this life to please himself. He went through this life to please the neighbor, to please the people he came here for, to please the Father. He's making sure he's doing it that way. That's how we ought to live. He's our example. That's where we need to go. The strong are to bear with the scruples of the weak. Now the word there, strong, means one who is able, powerful, mighty, or strong. Now you are technically not weak until you reach a feat that you can't do. If you are strong enough to pick up the pots and pans that are in the kitchen, then you are strong enough for the task. There's, there's nothing, no big deal. But as soon as you become whatever it is you need to pick up, say you need to pick up the refrigerator, well, this one you might need help with. And then we have to go out there and get some help. Then I become one who is weak and I need some help. Don't you want help when you're weak? If you face a task and you can't quite lift that thing up and you become weak, don't you want someone to come along with you? That's how we got to look at this. If I am strong, if I am one of the ones who's able to come over and to lift this up, then I should come over and help others. Because if I was in a place and I could not help myself, I needed help, I would want someone to come along and help me. So I had to figure out, am I strong or am I weak? Now the previous chapter in Romans here, that was determining who was strong and weak. The weaker believer is the one whose lesser understanding of the word causes them to see things as sin that are not sin. That was the weaker believer. So sometimes in the weaker believer spiritually, they believe something to be sin. They believe something to be, you shouldn't be doing that. Now you're not called to expose that's not helping people out. Don't be going out there and say, oh, you always do these things. Don't be out there to expose. Your purpose here is to help, to bear with the weaknesses of those who can't handle the, what they're doing by themselves. Now, bad attitude people, fill this in for you, bad attitude people please themselves. If you got a bad attitude... You are going around trying to please yourself. I am trying to make life around me conducive to the environment that I want. And when I don't get it, I got a bad attitude. You know, I want things quieter. They're noisy. I want things noisy. They're too quiet. I don't like that smell. Whatever it might be, we're looking for things. I'm trying to please myself. Don't be trying to please yourself. That's what he's, he's telling you in there. Bad attitude people please themselves. Those with a good attitude, they follow Jesus' example. Now the older son pleased who? In the parable, the older son pleased who? Himself. Did he please his father? No. Did he please the brother? He didn't even please the servants. He's out there to please himself. The early vineyard workers who went out there early and worked all day, who were they trying to please? Themselves. They were not to try and please the, the owner of the vineyard. They wanted to please themselves. This is what we should get. The good Samaritan had a greater purpose. The others on the road were out to please themselves. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. 
For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant to you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. He wants you to have the same mind. Put it this way. He wants you to have the same attitude toward other people that Jesus had towards other people. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought that when you have a bad attitude and you are speaking and you are acting out of that bad attitude that you have stopped glorifying God? The things that people see about you, they're not seeing glory for God. He says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Receive one another. Don't be sitting there passing judgment on each other. Don't be sitting there getting dissatisfied with each other. Receive one another. Somebody comes on in, oh, well, they got this going on and they can doing this over here. No, receive one another. That's what he's saying. So be like-minded. I put this in your outline. I already told you this, but just so you make sure you get it. Be like-minded could also read, have the same attitude. Have the same attitude. To have or to speak from any other attitude or mind is to give glory to someone or something else. Don't be doing it. Now, Romans 5. Let me read this for you. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith. How many here have been justified by faith? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations. Sounds like James. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has, who was given to us. Now tribulations coming into your life, he's saying this is a good thing, just like James says. When tribulations bring about any other response from us that does not glorify God. Get this. Anytime a tribulation in your life brings about any other response than one that would glorify God, I have a bad attitude. You want to know if you have a bad attitude? Anytime, anytime that your mouth is not speaking glory to God because of a tribulation that has come upon you. You are not glorifying God. That tribulation that comes on you, you got to look at it as a good thing. We're, we're not saying sickness and disease. People want to try and say tribulation is sickness and disease. It is not. Tribulations are not what God has delivered you from. But when tests and trials and tribulations come upon you, the enemy's trying to break you. The enemy's trying to get you off this. He sends some people along your way to get you uh, short-tempered, get you into a bad attitude. When this begins to happen, don't be upset. Don't. What did I do to deserve this person in my life? No, glory to God. They're showing me where my limits are and I'm getting stronger. How many can tolerate more weak people now than you could maybe five years ago? I hope so. That means you're getting stronger. And, you know, we can get stronger yet. Now, I ask this question. Why do I have a bad attitude? Why do I have a bad attitude? How is it that a bad attitude came upon me? Now, think about this. How many times have you 
just in the last week, have you woke up with a good attitude and had a bad attitude before lunch? There are five ways I came up with. I've, re- I've thought about this a number of times. I can't come up with any more than five. There may be. You may come up with a sixth one. I came up with five ways in which bad attitudes come to you. Are you ready? First one. What someone we know did. Right? What someone we know did. Well, my husband. Well, my wife. Well, my kids. Well, my teachers. The teacher in school. Well, there's someone that you know and they did something. Isn't that right? They they said something, they did something, they acted in some way, and you were going along fine. You were having a good time, and then all of a sudden, somebody did something. And you know them. And they did that. Oh. You went from having a good attitude to a bad attitude. Here's the second way. What someone we don't know did. This is not limited to people that you know. You could be driving along and somebody you don't know pull out in front of you and they took you from a good mood, a good attitude to what? Bad. Why? Because something was done by someone that you don't know. You don't even know who they are. But you picked up a bad attitude because of what they did. Number three, what someone we know didn't do. We have expectations with people that we know. You have expectations of your spouse. You have expectations of your kids. You have expectations of your boss. You have expectations of your co-workers. You have expectations of your neighbors. How many have an expectation of the neighbor not to play loud music after a certain time of night? That's an, I mean, it's a reasonable explanation, expectation, right? So what happens when the neighbor begins to blare music at 3 a.m. in the morning? Can that get you into a bad attitude? That can be considered a test or trial, can it? What someone we know didn't do. Here's number four. What God did. What God did. Think of the vineyard workers. Why are they upset? Because of what the master of the vineyard did. He paid them the same as us. They also had a little bit of this fifth one going on. What, here's number five, what God didn't do. How many of you have ever got upset because God didn't do something that you think He should have? Oh boy, that can, we see it. God, why didn't you do this for me? Why didn't you help me in this? Or why did you do this thing over here? These are five ways in which a bad attitude will come to you. Now, generally, people that you don't know, you don't get a bad attitude from them if they don't do something because you don't have any expectation of them. It's the people that you know you have an expectation for. Now, there are many ways. Make sure you get this one. There are many ways we pick up a bad attitude, but one reason. There are many ways... But there is one reason. You ready for the one reason why you get a bad attitude? You'd be hard-pressed. I was hard-pressed to try and figure out any other reason that a bad attitude would come to me. Five ways 
But one reason is behind them all. Here's the reason. A misalignment between what we think or expect and what actually happens. A misalignment between what we think or expect and what actually happens. Now this particularly comes to be a problem if we think or expect certain things that have no basis. Case in point, the vineyard. The first workers built an expectation not based on a promise. Not based on anything. They built an expectation based on themselves. And they got upset because the master, the owner, didn't do what they expected. Many times, folks, we are getting upset because someone didn't do what we expected, but we never asked them. They never promised. They never said. But we still get upset with them. There's a misalignment between what we think or expect and what happens. Now, are you ready for some examples? I want you to see that I cut my examples down. I just kind of list out a whole lot of them and then, all right, we'll take these ones. But you can go through the Word and you can come up with some more. Here's the first one. Adam and Eve thought God didn't give them enough, right? They were mad because all of a sudden they realized what God didn't do. He didn't give us the knowledge of good and evil. Israel thought God should have done how many different things in the wilderness? Why didn't God do this? Why did God do this? Why didn't God do this? Why didn't Moses do this? Why did Moses do this? Right? They got upset because of the people they knew what they did do. The people they knew what they didn't do. They got upset at God for what He did. They got upset for God and what He didn't do. King Saul thought that Samuel should have arrived sooner for the sacrifice. He said, wait seven days. And he waited. He saw some things going on he didn't like, so he went and did the sacrifice himself. He was thinking that Samuel should arrive sooner, but Samuel said, I'll be here when? Seven days. When did he get there? Seven days. Right towards the end of the seven days, but he was there on the seventh day. Like he said. But Saul built up an expectation because he saw the people leaving. He saw the Philistines gathering and he decided we needed to change this and he got a bad attitude from that. The Pharisees thought, thought Jesus shouldn't heal on the Sabbath. And they got a bad attitude about that, didn't they? Martha thought Mary should help with the dinner preparations. It's something that Martha devised to do in her own, her own self. No one asked her. But she thought Mary should come on in and help. And then she began to think that Jesus should have told her to come in and help. The disciples thought Jesus should help with the storm. He never said he was going to help with the storm. He never said anything about a storm. But they expected that he would come on up and help them with the storm. Now look at this. The older brother of the prodigal. The older brother of the prodigal son, he had a bad attitude. He had a bad attitude about what the father did. He had a bad attitude about what the father didn't do. Because the father killed the fatted calf for the son. He did not kill the fatted calf for him. He was upset because of what the brother did in that he left and he spent all the money and he was upset in what the brother didn't do. He didn't work. He was out there gallivanting. He was home working. He had, he had four of them things going on. 
The vineyard workers developed a bad attitude because of the owner's generosity. He decided to pay other people as much as they did, even though they put in more time. Now, none of these expectations are founded on the Word. None of these expectations are founded on promises. They are simply built by men. And we get the same problem, folks. And if you allow expectations to build in your life not based on anything, you will come out with a bad attitude. When you get into that bad attitude, you will operate in the flesh. When you operate in the flesh, you will not be operating in the Spirit. And you will become one of the weak people instead of one of the strong people that can help. Let's go on here to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. We're supposed to walk different. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. To walk like a sinner is to be in darkness like a sinner. If you are going to walk like a sinner, you are not going to walk in the light that you're supposed to be walking in. If you're not walking in the light, you're going to be confused. You're going to be stepping on some things you're not supposed to be stepping on. Your life is going to be worse off. That's why the devil loves to pull you into a bad attitude. He loves to do it. And you all know from your own personal experience, I can go from a good attitude to a bad attitude in seconds. It doesn't always build up slow. It happens quickly because of what somebody did, because of what somebody didn't do, because of what I thought God should have done but didn't. All those reasons. we got to walk different. We are called to walk different from the world. That means I talk different. That means you don't talk like the world talks. You talk different from the, from the world. It means you think different. You don't think like the world. you got to think different. And I act different. I act different. you got to make sure that you do this. you got to think different. you got to act different. you got to talk different. All the time. This is not a part-time deal. This is something you need to do all the time. Just like, you know, if you're, you're married, you're, your spouse there... You can, can't tell your spouse, look, I'm going to talk like I'm a husband six days out of the week. How's that? Is that that's pretty good? Six days? Out? No, 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 no. No, you talk like you're a husband and all the time. We expect it all the time. You're a Christian. You're born again. You're supposed to be talking like a Christian all the time. You're supposed to be thinking like a Christian. Your wife or your husband won't put up if you thought like a spouse six days out of the week. But the other time I'm going to think like a single person. No, that's not going to work. You can't act like a single person one day out of the week either. That's not going to work. You have to be different. God wants you to be different. And that bad attitude, when that bad attitude gets in you, you begin to speak out of that bad attitude. You begin to think out of that bad attitude. And you begin to act out of that bad attitude. And none of it's good. And none of it's helpful. What we had going on there was... The prodigal son came home and the older son, once he found out what had occurred, he began to think from a bad attitude. He began to speak from a bad attitude. And he began to act 
from the bad attitude. I'm not going in there. No. I'm not going in there and celebrating. I've been working all day in the field. I'd rather stay out here and not eat than go in there and enjoy the feast. Who's getting hurt there? So one thing we've got to do is walk different. My walk has got to be different. Here's the next thing. Alienate flesh responses. Alienate them. In verse 18 it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. When you get your understanding darkened, you become alienated from the life of God. We've got to alienate ourselves from the life of the flesh. We've got to alienate ourselves from that so that it... No. Why would I get upset because somebody left socks around? Why would I get upset because somebody left some clothes around? Why would I get upset because somebody didn't put a dish away? No. I'm not going to get upset at that. Then I start to think from that bad attitude. I get to act from that bad attitude and I'm going to talk from that bad attitude. And what happens if somebody in your life acts from a bad attitude, talks from a bad attitude, what happens to you? You get a bad attitude. Right? You're going along fine until all of a sudden somebody starts yelling at you for something that's not a big deal. I don't know why they got on my case about that, but they came on out and I, boy, they just started yelling at me and hollering at me. Bad attitudes can spread. You know, bad attitudes can spread, so can good ones. Let's stay with the good ones. Having their understanding darkened. Your understanding is not darkened if you walk in the light. You can allow it to be, but don't let it. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now that's talking about an extreme area there, but how many of y'all know when you get a bad attitude and that bad attitude, you begin to think on it, you begin to cook that bad attitude. You get that bad attitude so that, boom, it's just simmering and it's going on. Boy, we're going good with that bad attitude. We keep thinking about that. You keep going on that. You can begin to think all kinds of evil things. You don't want to do that. Verse 20. Flesh responses are evil for evil. That's the that's way that the flesh wants to... Don't do that. Don't be thinking evil for evil. What's the Word of God? What's Jesus teach us to do in the New Testament? Instead of evil for evil? No. Good for you. No evil talk. I'm not putting up with evil, evil talk coming out of me. No evil meditations. Stop thinking about all that evil that had been going on. I'm not going to sit around and mope about it. Can't believe that they did that. Can't believe how many you ever been tempted with this, especially with spouses, people that you live in the home with, kids, whatever it might be. You get something that went on that you didn't think should happen. You had an expectation, that expectation wasn't met. You got a bad attitude, and you begin to think on this. I'll bet they did that just to get under my skin. I know they did because they know that bothers me. Now, I've gotten to the point anymore sometimes in movies and you, you, you watch the family going on and the mama has an attitude. Have you ever seen those movies? The mama has an attitude. You will not do anything to cross me. You will not say anything like, mama's got an attitude. I have a hard time watching them because I just can't stand the bad attitude that's going on there. And she thinks that because of her position that she can just demand that everybody puts up with my bad attitude. No. And you shouldn't put up with your bad attitude either. Don't be thinking on these things. 
Don't have those evil meditations. Verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. Remember that uh, video teaching we learned a long time? Or we watched a, a couple months ago? Never forget in the dark what you learn in the light. Never forget in the dark what you learned. I love that that, that uh, quote from there. Adrian Rogers. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now some people think they've learned Christ, but you haven't actually heard what He's saying. That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. When you get a bad attitude, how easy, easy is it to pick up the old man? I mean, isn't it piece of cake? You get that bad attitude, you can have language that came from your old man. You can have desires and intentions that come from your old man. They just come right up on you. You don't need that. That son, that older son, could have had a response like the father had. But he chose not to. He chose to have a bad attitude about it and then he chose to react like that out of it. But we don't want to do that. It goes back, right back to what Jesus taught about the, the log. You know, when you got the log in your eye, can't take out the speck on, on someone else? i got to make sure that I take care of the bad attitudes in me before I start going over there and taking care of the bad attitudes in other people. You may say, well, my, my spouse, they got a definite problem with a bad attitude. They'll have a bad attitude here and a bad attitude here. No, 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 no. This is not about you extracting bad attitudes from other people. It's about you extracting bad attitudes from you. That's how I got to do it. I got to take the bad attitude out of me. So he says, let's read verse 22 again, that you put off concerning the former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's how we're supposed to be working. Renewed by the spirit of your mind. Renewed by the spirit of your mind. That older son lost the renewing. Because he picked up the bad attitude and he decided to meditate on that. That's not how we want to how we want to go. Those vineyard workers, they lost the renewing. They could have been renewed. They could have pleased the owner of the vineyard. You guys were here all day. But they didn't they didn't go that direction. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you've ever felt something change on the inside, how many can say that you have felt something change on the inside of you when you picked up a bad attitude? You had a good attitude, you picked up the bad attitude. How many can say, I felt something change? What happened was you put off the new man and you put on the old. Don't do that. Keep the new man on. The enemy wants you to put on the old man. So he's going to bring tribulations along. He's going to bring little things that other people do that just just to bug you. But what difference does it make? That's, if they want to let, go that way, they can go that way. That's fine. Just chill out on it. Just don't don't meditate on the, on the thing. The enemy wants you to be thinking constantly. Oh, when they do that, they're they're coming against you. They're thinking things against you. They're saying things against you. Well, if they are, then they are. 
I'm not going to step into that role. I'm not going to go out in that direction. And don't pick up the bad attitude. When you don't pick up the bad attitude, you keep the new man on. And then you keep the renewing on. When you put on that old man again, you lost the renewing. Your energy, your excitement, your joy, your peace, all these things go right out the window. But we love those things. But I want to retain them and be a flesh creature too. It won't work. We can't get it in that direction. I put it in there, your scriptures there, Romans 12.1. You can just read these over. This is going along the same, same line of things. But we got to make sure that we take ourselves, as it says here in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Whenever I pick up that bad attitude, I'm pulling that sacrifice off. No, 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 I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to go in that direction. Did you notice that last week I'm in the vineyard that the, the owner doesn't pick up the bad attitude of the early workers? He doesn't come after them. They picked up the bad attitude. I don't see any of the other workers picking it up. It's only the early workers who picked up the bad attitude. Don't pick up the bad attitude. It's up to you. Now I put this in for the, your last blank you've got to fill in. Your flesh episodes are not because of the people around you. Your flesh episodes, when you flesh out, when you get that bad attitude and you start talking out of that bad attitude, when you get that bad attitude and you start going on, thinking on those things, when your flesh episodes are not because of the people around you. But the person in you. The enemy loved for you to blame the people around you. Well, if it wasn't for my boss, if it wasn't for what that co-worker did, I would have had a good day. If only so-and-so didn't call me. I was things were going fine. But then they called me. And we tend to blame the other people. Just like how many of these parables, they're blaming other people. That's not what we're here to do. Don't be blaming other people. Bad attitudes in me can generate bad attitudes in other people. And then they just begin to spread. Don't be doing it. Just because somebody else has a flesh episode doesn't mean I have to. There are people in this world that aggravate your flesh. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be sticking around. God's not going to eliminate them. Moses had how many people who fleshed out on him? He stayed pretty spiritual. You can do it. I can do it. You don't know my spouse. I don't have to. I know my God. And I know the nature that he put us in. If I get into a bad attitude, it was my choice. I decided to not walk in what I know I should walk in. I gave up my peace. I gave up my joy. I don't want to give up those things. I like those things. So I've, I've worked on it myself. I make sure I don't meditate on these things. Don't meditate. If somebody did something and, and I didn't like it, I don't sit around and think on it. 
well, they shouldn't have done that. Well, they should have done... I don't sit around thinking. It's gone. It is, is it something I can change? Well, no. All right. Well, I'm, I'm out here. Can I talk to him about that change? Should I talk to him about that change? Is it my role to talk to him about that change? If it's not, I just move on. I don't give it any thought. Temptation tells us. This is temptation talking. If I just had some better friends, if I just had a different spouse, if only my kids were different, parents, co-workers, boss, whatever, if only they were different, my life would be so much better. That's what temptation will tell you. Just know, when it comes along and it's tempting you, if your spouse, if you could get a spouse that wouldn't do this, your life would be so much better. That's temptation. I like something, I think it was Zig Ziglar who, uh, who said it. He said, being married to the right person is not so much finding the right person as being the right person. I may have that a little bit wrong. It's been a long time since I've heard that quote, but it goes along that, that way. i got to be the right person. In whatever relationship I am in, i got to make sure that I am the right person. If I'm always around someone and they always have a bad attitude towards me, stop blaming them. Maybe there's something that I'm doing that is uh, causing that situation to go. What can I do that is different? I go to the Father. You see, because I learned from the parable. I got to take care of the log of my own eye before I take care of somebody else's speck. So I got to go to the Father. Father, am I doing? Is there a log here that I'm not seeing? Can I take care of a log here? If I can get that log out of the way, then maybe when I go in there, we're not having as much of a problem. Learn that from the parables. If you follow the leading, the temptation will give you. Oh, if you only had this better. We'll go from job to job, spouse to spouse, friend to friend. But you're only walking so much victory over your flesh because every time you get to that limit, you bail. You go somewhere else. Which means you can never get past that limit of your flesh. Your flesh will always have that control over you because every time you get to that spot where you start to push it away and break away from some of it, you pull back because the tribulation was too much. I didn't like all that that I was going through. That person just put me through too, too many things. I've had some people. I told God, God, I'd much rather them not be in my life. I have conversations with God about that all the time. But I'll tell them, it says, as long as they're willing, I'll help them. As soon as they become unwilling, go someplace else, move away, whatever, that's fine. But as long as they're willing. Sort of a, of a, of a change of thing I did when our kids were growing up. Because you know, whenever the kids grow up and they start to get bigger, people are always around you. You can't always carry those kids. You know, you'll, you'll hurt yourself carrying them. Have you ever heard people tell you about that? No, you hurt yourself if you carry those kids. I, always, I told them when my kids were little, I tell them now when the grandkids are going on, as long as they ask me to hold them, I will hold them. Because the day will come when they won't. I don't look forward to that day. I am taking advantage of all the days in between. If they come over and they say, will you carry me? Yep. Yep. No problem. Don't feel sorry for me if you see me carry one or two babies around. It's not bugging me at all. I, I like it. 
I like carrying them guys around. Temptation will tell you. Life will be better if you just get over here. It's not. It's not going to be. I heard one one person a uh, long time ago. I was going to Raymond and sitting in church, and the person was t- teaching on on some things on relationship, and they said the temptation is get out of this marriage, find another one, it'll be better. And they said no, it won't. What will happen is you will take all the problems from the first marriage into the second, and then pick up all the problems from that one. Now you got twice the problem. Now, I don't know that that's true by walking it out because I decided I'm not going to try and walk that up. The victory, folks, is not in eliminating the people, but in overcoming the flesh. That's where the victory is. If nothing ever brings it out, I didn't win. If nothing in my life ever brings it out, I didn't win anything. When it shows up, that's when I can get the victory. That's when I want the victory. See, I want more victory. I want to overcome that flesh. How can God use us to win the lost? If we get around the lost, we act like mere men. We act like flesh creatures. How can you help your brother or sister that has fallen into sin or bring them into a a stronger walk if I have as much or more problems as they do, if I deal with as much of my flesh as they're dealing with theirs, the only way is to overcome it. i got to overcome it. Now, you take a look at your life, you look at the relationships around, there are some people that can get you very short-tempered. Those are the people that are in your life. Either there is something that is in your life that that person is showing you flesh, 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 or something in their life. Whatever it is, you got to take care of the part that's in you. You cannot deal with the part that's in them, but you can deal with the part that's in you. And that's where we want to go. We are called, according to Jesus, we're called to preach the gospel of peace. We're called to live the gospel of peace. How can we do that if my peace is constantly disturbed, interrupted, and robbed how can I show people the life of joy that we have in God if my joy is always being stripped from me are you short with some people that you don't know I don't even know who they are and I'm short with them do you lose patience with people that you do know in those times do you speak words that don't bring glory to God you're pulling yourself into the wrong place don't be doing it. Don't step out that way. Get a handle on it. And it's not to suppress it. The idea is not to take all that bad stuff and just push it all down. Well, I wanted to say some things, but I didn't. That's not victory. Victory is not wanting to say them. Sometimes we settle for less victories. Victory is when I get that desire out to say those things. And I don't have to suppress them anymore. I can just look at them and just smile. God, you got anything for me to say here? And if God doesn't say anything, be okay with just leaving. Be okay with just walking away from it. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to do any of those kind of things. We're here to edify. We're here to build up people. 
I'm here to find those weak people that have their flesh that dominates them and pulls them into bad attitudes all the time. I'm here to help them. Let the strong bear with the scruples of the weak. I'm here to help those folks. You're here to help them. If that person is your spouse, you're here to help them. Don't push them down. Don't build expectations on people that they haven't promised, that they haven't said. Don't do that. Say what you want. Ask what you want to do. The words that I'm speaking, do they edify me? Do they edify the people that's hearing them? Am I thinking higher? This is the one... We, didn't, we, didn't, we covered the parable pretty not too long ago, so I, met, I went over it in Luke 14. But when he talks about seeking the higher place, so often, folks, we think more of ourselves than we do of the people that are around us. And that is something that Jesus said, don't do it. Don't think higher of them. Or don't think higher of yourself than you do them. That includes your spouse. That includes your kids. That includes your relatives. Don't look at them and say, well, I am better than all of you. Because your words will change it. One of the things I was thinking of doing for today was getting some pictures of some faces and throwing them up there on the screen and saying, can you tell me what kind of a day they're having? Can you tell me what kind of an emotion they're having? How many of y'all can do that? You look at a face and you can say, oh, that person is happy. That person is angry. We can tell from their face. It comes right on out. See, when you have that bad attitude, when you have that flesh take over, it takes over your face. You can't mask it. It's there. Sometimes we think we're masking things, but our face is giving us away. And the reason the people are responding so harshly to us is because of our face. Our face is telling people, I am mad with you. I am angry with you. And we speak words that we shouldn't speak. Jesus' parables deal so much with attitudes. And very often, a parable started because of a bad attitude in someone. How many of these parables that we looked at so far were started because of a bad attitude in the Pharisee? They had a bad attitude about who Jesus was eating with. They had a bad attitude about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. They had a bad attitude about who Jesus let wash his feet. Many times these parables come out because of the bad attitudes, so it's really no surprise that in them are bad attitudes. Because Jesus knows how much they will hurt us if we have them. If Jesus were to walk the earth today, how many of you would be really surprised if you talk with him on a regular daily basis like the disciples did, and all of a sudden one day he had a bad How many of you would think, hmm, didn't really expect that out of Jesus. Then why do you expect it out of yourself? If our goal is to be like Jesus, why do we expect it? Why do we tolerate it out of ourselves? How often do Christians have the attitude of the older brother? How often do we have the attitude of the vineyard workers? How often do we have the attitude of the unforgiving servant? after he was forgiven such a great amount and went out and demanded payment. We can tolerate bad attitudes in ourselves, but the parables so often will show us vivid pictures of these bad attitudes because Jesus knows 
they will destroy you. They will destroy your relationships. If you have some relationships that are going south, there's something that may be going on. One, you have a bad attitude in it and you don't see it. It's like a log in your eye, but you see the speck in theirs. You've got a bad attitude, but you just don't see it in them. You think you've suppressed it, but it's actually coming out on your face. And people have read that and they say, hmm. And they back away. Or they begin to have an attitude themselves. And then you've got an attitude you're trying to suppress and they've got an attitude they're letting out. And then pretty soon you let out your attitude. What happens to that relationship? It gets damaged even more. I found it out a whole lot better for, for myself. If I feel something on the inside, that's the time to say it. If I don't feel like I should say it, if I don't feel like I can say it, if I don't feel like it will edify or help, then I don't say it. I also don't think about it later. I'm either going to say it now because it will help, or I'm going to wash it away. It's gone. But a lot of times, how many, how many can think about this? You had an argument with somebody, you had a, a tiff, and you thought of some things, but you suppressed it. But then you went away and you thought about it. Oh, I wish I would have said, oh, and I could have said this, and I could have said this, and I should have said this. You got yourself all worked up. All you have done is feed your flesh. You haven't fed your spirit. And you've encouraged yourself to walk in your flesh, not in your spirit. You've robbed yourself of your peace. You've robbed yourself of your joy. You're no longer walking in the light that you had walked in before. You're now walking in darkness. And you wonder why your life is not going the way that it should? We are called to walk in the light. We're not called to walk in darkness. That means the, these verses that we read over to you, and we did not get into them in any depth. You, like I said, if you want that, not in, the, in the last year we've gone over both of these, and I'd be happy to uh, send those things to you. Operate in the flesh, and you will destroy your life and the lives of those people that are around you. You'll blame all kinds of other things but it will be you. Operate in the Spirit and you can change it. There are going to be some people in your life you cannot change. There will be Pharisees, there will be Sadducees around in your life and you cannot change them any more than Jesus could change them. You don't have to. Just don't get in the flesh. Just don't get a bad attitude. Begin to fume. If you're feeling that kind of thing going on, bad attitude is coming in on you. Get yourself removed. Do whatever you have to do. Get rid of that bad attitude. Because it is not going to help you. Would you all stand up? Glory to God. Father, I thank you. That as Jesus pinpointed the bad attitudes in the people, in the parables, there can be bad attitudes in us. We have to make sure that we stay free from the enemy wants us to get pulled into bad attitudes because it causes us to say things that will bring trouble. It stops us from being the edifying person we're supposed to be and that we are no longer being the strong person helping the weak. We have become weak ourselves and need help. But you want us to become strong, to be able to bear with the scruples, the weaknesses of other people, to help them get into a life where their spirit is the dominant force 
No longer are they dominated by the flesh. Thank you for the help that you give us on this. You are a good shepherd. I thank you for all the places that you meet us. I thank you for all the people that you have put in our lives. They, they were not put in our lives to be a detriment to us. We were put into their lives to help them. As much as they'll let us, we'll try. We will speak your word. They must respond to it, we understand. But we will be out there and to help them. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. We were going to get into the parable of the minas and the parable of the talents. They're the two that are coming up. And they really follow real helpful out of the vineyard because the vineyard shows you that everyone got the same reward, but everybody's work was different. When you get into these parables, you find out that the rewards are different. And they're great, great ones to compare with. If, uh, if you are on the church YouTube page, you've already seen the uh, ones I put up there. I put up uh, three new ones uh, from Keith Moore. Keith was at the same conference that Jeremy Pearsons was at. So I took all the three that he did. These are all three that he did. He did. It's kind of a series. He did a little mini-series there. And I just put all three of them up there. If that's too much for you, just listen to whatever you, that you can do. Each one's about an hour. But um, as we said before, we're trying to change this over so you don't need the links. You can just go to the page. And the page will have all of them right there. And everything is easy to find. So if you want that, if you don't have the link, if you can't get to it, don't try to get to it, text me. I'll text you the link. You can go there. Then you can just uh, mark it, whatever you want to do. But those are coming up. This is, this is all stuff you probably heard Brother Keith teach on before, but he says some great one-liners in these that you will enjoy. And I hope it will help you out in your in the things that you, you do. It will also help you with some of the things with the flesh walk that we've been uh, talking about in here. So those ones are up there. Uh, Wednesday night, we may finish Zechariah. Looking over Zechariah 14, there is a lot in this about the future. There is a lot in this about what happens here at the end. We may split it up over two. The only reason we would is we're looking at some of the other scriptures that also show us some things about what's going on just to give us all the light we need on that. So we'll find out as we're getting closer to it. And that will go on. The ladies' retreat, my wife wanted me to make sure everybody knew the deadline for this is in there. We That's our time we have to make all the plans. If anyone is having trouble financially getting it done, see my wife. She'll help you out with that. If you are thinking of going, uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, to get all the plans that are going on. You don't know how much has to go on and coordinate this until you've actually done one of these and seen it all. It is quite a bit to, to get taken care of, and um, it'll help her out. So that's the, the deadline date is in there for September. But if anybody's having trouble with that, just let us know on those things, and um, that will... That'll, that'll help out. All right. Oh, you may have noticed a couple of things in the repairs. The room over there did get the new carpet in. It was good because there was some mold underneath the one that was there. So my wife came in and scrubbed off all the mold that was that was in there. Uh, just some things got spilled, I guess, and they just grew some stuff up. So we were smelling some things. And so that was the top priority was to get that out. So we got that part out. And if you're up over here in this section, uh, you may notice that it's a lot brighter. Uh, you probably... May not notice until somebody points out to you, but the main thing was we had to change some of the lights that were going on here because if any of you watched the Wednesday night service, uh, Daryl has been messing with this since for, for a while now. Uh, I'm bleached out, and he can't get it to stop that. So we moved the lights around up in here, 
And so the first one was this past Wednesday. Uh, Brian came on by and he uh, worked on these. And uh, that was great. I saw our one light over here was flickering. Uh, he was, the goal was to come in and do all of those lights and turn them into these nice little LEDs that don't flicker anymore. Uh, they just ran out of time. So he's coming in uh, tomorrow and he's going to do the rest of those and have those done. So that'll be that project that'll be out of the way. They're also quieter. They don't, sometimes our recordings have a little bit of a hum. And uh, that's where they come from. It comes from the fluorescent lights. And so uh, as we get rid of more of them, there's, uh, there's less hum. So those are some of the things we got done this week. We uh, still have some other things to try and do to fix some things up. But uh, that's, that's what got done in here. So if you didn't get the chance to see that, you can look in there and see the carpet. It's also, uh, uh, we put some nice padding underneath there so the kids that are down on the ground um, have a little softer, softer spot. So thanks all for coming on out to the picnic last week. We got to make it out. We sure enjoyed the, the fellowship with, with everyone. And we will look forward to seeing some of you out here on Wednesday and then the rest of you on Sunday coming up.